Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 42, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Taddy, streamer and co-host. And our guest today is a another returning guest. We're getting a lot of returning guests, which is a good sign. Uh, Trista Bites, uh, content creator, YouTuber, Twitch streamer, and someone who also does probably entirely too much stuff during the week. Bex, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. That's that's a fair description of me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think this is your, I feel this is the, your third appearance on the show. I so, think so. You guys can't get rid of me. I know. We're, we're getting to that stage where just people just keep coming back. It's like a revolving door around here yeah it's to... it's it's almost like we like you and appreciate your <laughs> yeah, content yeah i don't, I don't <laughs> understand it i don't understand it myself but uh, we'll continue um so yeah um bex was last with us on a gaming round table and uh, i do remember our discussion about birds of prey at the very start of season two so you can check out those episodes in the show notes you can also subscribe to us on apple podcasts and spotify and wherever you get your podcast from. Plus, send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com or on social media at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. Uh, as always, let's start with what's happening in the Myamada universe. And what is happening is generally recovery. This is, uh, this is recovery days really because we just had an event so that tends to be what happens although recovery days then means i'm just catching up on emails uh, i've missed in the past week um but we do have a couple things to shout out uh we still at the time of recording um have a podcast sort of have a podcast have a kickstarter um which i'm trying to work out the maths on when this episode goes out and when uh well anyway it ends on october 5th so our Kickstarter for new manga, Serious Through the Fog, started on September 3rd and ends on October 5th. It's uh, a new story that follows on from Serious Volume 1 and sees Blake and his team forced to face their toughest challenge when a pandemic unexpectedly hits their world. So taken directly from my own experience uh, during the pandemic and just me wanting to make something that I guess would help me process some of the, the past uh, six months or so, but also produce something uh, from our universe that would help others and young readers in particular sort of focus on positive outcomes and lessons that can be had during times like this. So, uh, yeah, we've um, we've hit our goal, which is good. Uh, we're working towards a stretch goal in the remaining whatever number of days when this podcast uh, episode goes out. And yeah, we want to produce a collector's edition, uh, work with some other illustrators on variant artwork, um, cover artwork, and yeah, just make this uh, make this comic, this manga comic a reality by the end of the year. So yeah, if you're listening and you've got a few days left, please do check out the page and consider backing and sharing. And let's see how far we can take it in the last few days. Other than that, we have gamepad stuff. So we had uh, we had an experience uh, in Gamepad. We um, we were we were doing an event. We were doing the second online Gamepad event. Uh, we then ran into uh, internet outages. Basically, uh, thank you Virgin Media for um, ending the event prematurely. 
And yeah, so we're going to work out how best to showcase uh, the game content and the interviews and such at another point, probably over October. Um, yeah, Tazzy and I and the rest of the team will be talking about how best to do that. But we do have other gaming content that is up on our YouTube page. We have a well-being, we have a games and well-being panel uh, that's up now. We also have our storytelling in video games panel that we did as part of the EGX Digital event. And we'll have the interviews that we were running as part of Gamepad Online up on our YouTube page in uh, the week. So some of them will already be up at the time uh, this episode goes out. And yeah, over the next few months and beyond, we're going to be doing more with our Discord community and sort of getting together uh, different interviews and uh, panel events, game nights, uh, quizzes. Um, yeah, we're going to put things, put some ideas together, put a plan together uh, and just do more stuff online because we still cannot leave our houses uh, and do stuff in the outdoors. Uh, so yeah, so check out or stay tuned for all of that. And yeah, just follow us on social media and you'll find out when that is all happening. So let's find out what everyone has been enjoying story-wise this week. So this is our spoiler-free uh, sort of quick discussion on what everyone has been playing, watching, reading, etc. Um, currently. So we'll start with our guest, Bex. Hey, so there's been a couple of things that I've been been watching and playing and things recently. Uh, I'll touch briefly on something I think that if it isn't already on people's radars, they, they should be watching it because it's on its fourth and final series on Netflix, which is The 3%, which I absolutely adore, which is a uh, Brazilian, I believe, definitely South American, uh, dystopian future story and Every series, I think, I don't know how they're going to make another series of this. They seem to have finished this arc and I don't see where it's going to go next unless they just, oh dear God, they have. And they've just gone and like thrown everything on and turned to the direction of it. And and it's really, really, really well done that using using of budgets incredibly well to make a dystopian future and beautiful sci-fi future on really, really quite a minimal amount of money and making it entirely believable. Um, wonderful character progressions, brilliant acting, and just really, really fascinating world. And uh, for people, because I know you guys are a fan of things like, you know, your, your, your Battle Angel Elitas and things like that, where you have that rich and the poor divide, uh, which is quite a, a commonly used trope in these kind of things. And it's got a similar th- thing, because it's 3% of the population lives in the beautiful luxury with all the tech and everyone else lives in a kind of like broken down slums type scenario. And it's a really interesting world. And I recommend people checking out the 3% if they haven't already. Uh, the other thing, I have a, a new thing that I uh, never, ever plan to play is uh, Dead Space. And I'm not massively into my horror. Unfortunately, my viewers like watching me be terrified. I've just finished Alien Isolation and they've... Uh, got me to immediately start dead space which i'd kind of written off to be honest as shoot things in the face in space oh no (laughs) and it's not it's not i was wrong proverbial hats all of them have been eaten 
I thought I was being let off a little bit. You know, I knew I knew it had monsters. I knew it had, you know, gore and stuff and things. But I thought after Alien Isolation that it was going to be, you know, I've been let off a bit easy with Dead Space. No. Dear God, that game is creepy. The menu's terrifying. Yeah, the, the music just menu. utterly sits there and like images gets into you. flash up and ah, oh, just the when I have the menu up while I'm still chatting to people and haven't started the game, I'm like moving away, like I'm jumping at the menu. I thought the menu for Alien Isolation was scary enough. No, that's it. I'm going to start an entirely new career where I just analyze and review menus to horror games because I was just like dear god that much thought's gone into a menu what am I in for yeah uh, it's got a ton more lore depth plots character development and things than I had any idea and genuinely extremely spooky chilling aspects to it that I hadn't expected in something that was so in your face here's the monster now shoot it um so yeah, that's that's been a surprise in the best and worst possible way because it's very, very scary and it's very good at what it does. And I, I've been enjoying that. Yeah, you do have to add a couple of patches to it if you're playing it on PC now to uh, accommodate for some issues that you have with modern mice and stuff like that. So you have to do a little bit of patching, which is very, very easy to do. And other than that, the graphics and things hold up really, really well. The genuine fear of the thing holds up really, really well. And... Um, I kind of wish they'd done a slightly worse job at it because I'm genuinely terrified. Oh, you wait till you get dead to Dead Space 2. I rage quit. I really? Was, uh, it, I was too scared to like... Oh, dear God. Like, <laughs> dead Space does a thing That's where... It's more of a it, fear quit. Um, no, but Dead Space <laughs> does a thing where it's like the like ammo. <laughs> it makes you think like you can shoot anything and you're fine. Uh, but actually like you have to like manage your ammo and uh, that's that's where alien isolation's helping me because i've just played a game where you have to creep around everywhere and have exceedingly limited ammo yeah and you have to be like smart with how you use things and da 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 and there's so many different enemies and different weapons like well and Mm. you've got like customize your build dead space 2 like makes that worse (laughs) oh awesome so i was and i'm like i get to a point where with horror games i hate them as well Uh, my audience is the same you know they just love to watch us cower in fear um (laughs) but it got to the point where it was like if this was a normal shooter that just had like limited ammo i'd be able to sit here and sort of like think about it and calculate how i can get around this using various other mechanics uh but because of the terror aspect i'm I'm like i can't think it's too horrifying to think (laughs) and i'm just paralyzed (laughs) and it's quite claustrophobic because your character's wearing bulky armor and you walk backwards really slowly there is no you know my normal tactic shoot everything in the head with a single shot while jumping backwards and escaping old kind of like you know doom and quake style can't do any of that um the sneaking and hiding in cupboards thing that i was doing in alien isolation can't do any of that you're just in corridors and they can come through the walls. Yeah. And there's more like you have to crawl through vents and stuff in Dead Space 2. So just be prepared. The claustrophobia. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had enough vents after Alien Isolation. God damn it. Um, <laughs> but I, I wasn't prepared for like the, the little whispering sounds that you can hear in the like just on one's headphone in a corner somewhere. And, and I like, was the like, psychological aspect of it mm. as well. Yeah. It's a deep game. 
It really is. And I was not prepared and I wish I was right and that it was just shooting things in the face in space. Um, I've also been reading a little bit about, because I'm sure that I'm now going to have to play all of these games. In the third one, if you play co-op mm-hmm. or you play with somebody else online, apparently the game, to avoid the fact you're playing with someone else making it less scary, apparently you will hear things the other person doesn't. Huh, interesting. Maybe I'll finish Dead Space 2. And then we can go off Dead Space Free. <laughs> I, I don't know whether to say, yay, that's an awesome idea, or do, do you hate me, Tazzy? <laughs> I hate myself for making that suggestion because now, if my viewers listen to this, you put be it like, out that's there a now. Great idea. And I'm like, no. <laughs> if you never hear from me or Tazzy again, we are hiding under our respective desks, and it's Tazzy's fault. <laughs> you all are just creating your own demise. Or something. I know. I know. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> hashtag oh, blame God. tazzy yeah. so that's what i've been up to and apparently now my future involves more of the same <sighs> i'm sorry i do apologize um i've been watching uh dragon's dogma which is just a really easy watch uh it's actually based on a video game it's on netflix and uh it kind of like each episode follows like a sin but it's interesting like this character there's a dragon and there's a character and I don't want to spoil it. So that's all I'm going to give you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like a nice light interest and watch all the episodes are really short. And uh, I just dislike the style of voice acting, but that's just me. Um, but also the Mandalorian, because I now have Disney Plus and I'm really excited that I get to get involved with what everyone else is. And I love it. Really? I, just... is that, I was going to ask, is that... Is it living up to the, the hype? Oh, yeah. Like, it's not even, like, obviously Baby Yoda is adorable, but, like, the actual Mandalorian that we follow, oh, he's just so sweet. He's just such a sweet, interesting character. Like, it's also not sweet at the same time, but but he is. Oh, like, oh, it's just the, the dynamic between them is just so precious because, you know, it, like, follows the kind of, like, like oh I now need to feel like a father role thing but in such a different way <laughs> than what you normally come across um but I, I also wish that like just the internet never like spoke about baby Yoda before I got a chance to watch the Mandalorian now as soon as they made that character design there was already going to be like 500 things about it yeah, but it's like the the people that like got to watch that and see like Baby Yoda's entry mm. for the first time without anyone ever mentioning Baby Yoda. Yeah, like they're so lucky. They're unbelievably lucky, and they do not understand. Like, because everyone else is completely different experience. Like, I would have loved to have have had that moment to just be the yeah. first time exposed. Mm. To have that reveal. Yeah, because then, yeah, it's like, it would have been, it's such a well-done reveal. Mm. But then it's like, it's it's not really a reveal now. It's still like, I appreciate it, but just, ugh. Apparently they didn't realise that Baby Yoda was going to take off so much and they hadn't had much merch, like, prepped for it. I I mean, they should have known. That was a merch play. (laughs) Like, That's the rumour. I could be wrong. That was the (laughs) rumour. It is nah, like not Disney. Disney Disney didn't know that they needed to get merchandise for Star Wars. 
No, I don't believe that. I think they probably thought the Mandalorian would have been the more, because the Mandalorian's like super cool looking. And yeah. like, just every time he walks, it's like just this epic, the way his cape flows behind. So epic. <laughs> I just love watching the shots from behind when he's walking. It's just like this real epicness. But it's amazing. Like, it's such an amazing series. Uh, we're just on the final episode of series one. And um, I'm sitting there and my heart is racing nearly every episode because even though like I've seen so many spoilers via memes like I don't actually know like the story behind them I don't know like how that situation came to be and so like I'm literally just constantly sitting there and there's so many characters that I like fall in love with or hate like that I have an emotional attachment in some way too um and then it looks great like it, it this is a series and it looks great it's like really yeah i love it it's really good and i'm not like a massive star wars fan i like star wars because it has lightsabers and cool fight scenes and like cool space fights in it i enjoy that aspect of it but this like made me really really like just the whole journey and the story like it was fun and emotional and like there's just constantly cute baby Yoda moments as well. <laughs> just like, ah. So <laughs> it's like it's such a great package and cool fight scenes and and like, yeah, it hits all the like tick boxes for me. So I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> I've been impressed with Disney Plus in general. They're they're putting out just excellent quality shows with the as much love as they would with full-on cinema releases because I wasn't too fussed about getting Disney plus I wanted to watch the Mandalorian but I didn't need to watch it immediately I'm obviously obsessed if anyone has met me before ever with the idea of watching a Loki TV series but I wasn't that hugely sold on other things and one of the shows I didn't care about at all was WandaVision because I do not like the Marvel Cinematic Universe versions of Vision or mm. Or Scarlet Witch. I'm just not particularly sold on those versions. Having seen the trailer for the WandaVision Disney Plus show, I now want Disney Plus sooner because I want to watch a show about two characters that I didn't think I liked. Yeah. That's how that, good that they're being. Missed me until the trailer. I was like, uh, just another list of things Disney Plus are doing. I was like, oh, this is, looks good. But now, like, I'm definitely going to watch all the like Disney Plus originals or whatever they're called. I don't know what they call them. <laughs> but yeah I'm like I got my Disney Plus luckily for free with like phone contract mm. so I'm like I was just like yeah I can watch The Mandalorian and like all these Disney films that I've really been craving watching like I was really wanting to watch Flubber I really wanted to watch uh, Emperor's New Groove and then like none of them are available obviously anywhere else on streaming services so I was like I was like yeah Get to, but now I'm like, oh, there's all this new stuff I can consume as well. I'm like, oh, God, because I needed more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm so lucky that I got that six months of so much Disney. Um, but yeah, Nigel, what have you been watching? So I have been able to catch up, or I say catch up, uh, continue watching for the first time, uh, Full Metal <laughs> Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, uh, which I excellent started... choice. Yeah, I started watching this uh, some time ago, actually. And I was I think I mentioned it on the show before. I was doing the kind of doing something while something is on in the background. And I did mm. that for a few episodes. But as I was watching, I was like, actually, there's a lot here I need to be paying attention. So yeah. let me come back to this when I'm like able to watch these properly. So 
that's what I'm doing now. Uh, I'm on, ooh, I don't know which episode, I'm quite, maybe I'm more than a third, because it's like 64 episodes or something. I feel like, I feel like I'm getting to 20, 20 plus, um, and yeah, just getting into it, and it's kind of, it's it's unpacking, <laughs> so there's a lot, like, it introduces a lot of, um, like, themes and uh, threads, and then it starts, mm. yeah, just unpacking things. So the idea is that um, you've got the two brothers, um, Ed and, and Alphonse, uh, and, yeah, they've just been in a terrible accident. Well, it's kind of of their own doing, but in trying to use alchemy uh, to bring back their uh, dead mother, they sort of broke one of the rules of alchemy and, and paid for it by um, losing their bodies or in uh, Ed's case, his his right arm and, and left leg. Um, and then in Al's case, his whole body. But uh, his brother was able to, is it trans, transmutate? Trans, transmutate, yeah. Transmutate yeah, his soul. Bound his it, soul, yeah. Into a, into a suit of armor. So you've got his two brothers. One has sort of metal uh, arm and leg and one is just a full suit of armor with nothing inside. I love um, Al so much. Yeah, he's so like... <laughs> Innocent, I guess, like, so precious. Yeah, precious. That's a bro. Yeah, because he's <laughs> yeah. the younger brother, and by making the younger brother into the giant suit of armor, so the more innocent, sweet, naive character is what looks yeah. like a giant hench tank character. It's a really lovely way to have your expectations kind of subverted, and I love the way they play on it. Like whenever they meet people, everyone's like, "You must be the Full Metal Alchemist because he's a giant yeah. suit of armor," and they're like, "No, I'm his little brother." That's why I thought. <laughs> I was like, is, yeah, also tiny, like he's, he's and has a complex about it. As yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Um, so yeah, they're kind of on this journey to bring back uh, their bodies, and and in that process, well, uh, where I'm at so far, they kind of they've gotten into this kind of i guess conspiracy essentially and and i'm i'm getting this theme of like finding out what the truth is mm. like whatever that means for them and this this uh, kind of war or conflict between uh, areas in this nation um and they, yeah just meeting interesting characters it's it's always weird like when i watch um anime i don't know how they get away with it anime seems to be one of the things that seems to get away with a lot of exposition that really shouldn't be like there's anime does this thing where it will explain like it will explain relationships between characters or things that happened in the last episode or uh world building things and really shouldn't do that but for some reason they can get away with that i don't know how that mm. works it's but, entrenched as a trope of the style isn't it it's yeah, kind of it's, it's from it. the we couldn't afford to animate the next 50 frames so you get some speech yeah <laughs> exactly um and yeah uh, just learning about all like the villains um and and how how deep this conspiracy goes um yeah i just i'm enjoying it i'm just yeah really enjoying it and the themes right. and the characters as well and the emotion like just the, mm. the emotions that are expressed uh by uh, a lot of the time by ed but yeah <laughs> some of the other characters as well i yeah. think full metal alchemist this is going to be such a really weird way of explaining it it's like this anime. There's like a pair of headphones, uh, earphones in your pocket. Uh, and you know, they come out all scrambled and then you start to untangle them. But as you <laughs> untangle them, they also simultaneously get even more tangled. 
And that's how Metal <laughs> <laughs> Alchemist Brotherhood goes on. You feel like it's unraveling, but it's kind of tangling at the same time. And it's mm. great. It's so it's it is on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood specifically, rather than the first adaptation, Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Um is on pretty much everyone's top ten list of favorite animes ever for a damn good set of reasons yeah. it is perfectly paced the, the the tone the character development the fact you can have it it takes the things of real life where it's like one minute you can be laughing and joking even though you're in the middle of a tragedy like mm-hmm. it has those elements and it manages to mix them all in a way which is really difficult so the the, the bits that are friendly and nice and jovial feel exactly that and then when you are plunged into strategy you feel exactly that and i'm not gonna i don't want to say too much because i've seen the whole thing multiple times in original japanese and in english dub and in a different english dub and um (laughs) because i wanted to compare them all and i could talk about that for five hours quite happily continuously um but you're good you're gonna love it because the way it all comes together and just it is really, really well done. You aren't even, I don't think you even have, I think you've met, but don't know anything about my favorite characters at this point. That you're early in on in the series that my favorite characters aren't even particularly prominent right now. All right. Okay. So I would say without spoiling, I'll just say like uh, stomach and uh, that's where I, I am. If that rings any bells uh, for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> that's, that's... Have, you, have you got to the, uh, the the bit with the dog, or you haven't? I don't no. think. No, no, I won't. Yeah. Okay. You'll suddenly understand a load of memes on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> it's so heavily memed. And you'll be like, "Oh my god, that is cruel." <laughs> you look at how long that series has been out, and whenever someone pulls that meme with the dog, oh everyone replies, "Too soon." Yeah. <laughs> it will always be too soon. Oh, wow. And in a, okay, yeah, I'll by the it. next time I'm on the show, then I think Nigel will be saying, "Oh dear God, I know what you mean now." Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so I've got that to look forward to. When you see the memes, you will understand, and it's it's something that is highly um, it will affect you emotionally for all the right reasons because of how well it is written and you will never be able to forget it. So you've got, you've got that to, uh, to, to look forward to or uh, not, um, but good luck. <laughs> we'll speak to you after the next time I'm on the show. No doubt. You're just going to be sort of like silently crying because you now know what we're talking about. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll be updating uh, on this, but uh, yeah, no, really, uh, really enjoying uh, the show. So yeah, that is what I have been watching story-wise. Um, and with that, let's get on to our main story discussion. And we're going to be talking about Ready Player One, which has been directed by Steven Spielberg, stars Ty Sheridan, and is based on Ernest Cline's 2011 novel by the same name. Uh, so, spoiler alert, uh, as always, uh, we are going to be talking in-depth about the film and the book although i've started but not finished uh the book uh another alert that this is i'm going to call this the tazzy show this is a show that is for tazzy because i've felt we've had discussions about ready player one uh and i get the impression that she needed to get stuff off her chest so this is what this is this is a therapy session for tazzy 
um yeah just wanted to let people know that and as you're welcome so uh, i'm going to do a recap of the story but first i want to get a quick take from each person let's let's start with tazzy okay I will, I will uh, try and sandwich my uh, actual feelings <laughs> between some positives. <laughs> some positivity bread. Um, I think it is a pretty film. It looks good. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh my God, I feel like this film has like no substance. But like, I tried to watch it without thinking about the book which is very 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 hard uh but even watching it trying to like push the book out of my head I still think it lacks so much substance it just looks really good and it's like a fun to watch I might put it on in the background or before I go to bed or something maybe not before I go to bed it's a bit actually but um in the background I don't know maybe I'd clean to it but it's like maybe if you're like chilling with your friends and you just want something easy to watch, but like, oh, hmm. <sighs> Where's that other bread? That other slice of bread? Oh, yeah, that was supposed to be the bread, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> there were some funny moments. <laughs> There's a lot of meat in this sandwich. The, the bread is kind of thin. <laughs> it's a low carb diet uh, review yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not quite um, quick cool we'll, we'll unpack that sandwich in a bit uh bex what did you think um i thought it contained very little substance as, as well um for me there was a ton of repackaged nostalgia and pop culture splatter gunning stuff going on all over the place but wrapped up in a very young adult teenagery hero progression story by numbers. And um it it I I watched it and just thought, well, that was shiny. And Spielberg is an absolute master of action sequences. And uh, I was glad that I didn't spend too much money on seeing it. <laughs> uh, this is going to be an interesting show <laughs> also uh simon Pegg was clearly ask jeeves that was that was it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it, instantly <laughs> it, instantly i was like i saw jeeves <laughs> yeah because um, you don't dress like that if you're actually a creator <laughs> in a library librarians don't look like that, that he was ask jeeves <laughs> He just spent five years of his life pretending to be Ask Jeeves in case someone interesting turned up. That was it. That was that was my main my main thoughts. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. I'm glad you said that because it's not just me. Um, I I tend to agree with you both, and um, I try to work on an exact phrasing. But I was watching this, and I feel this is a what I'm going to call a straight line film. Uh, in that there's a straight line from the start of the film <laughs> to its end and there's not much uh obstacles or challenges or deviation it's just uh point to point to point uh and the end however i was trying to work out what because i also felt like we recently talked about elisa battle angel and i feel there are i'm probably going to make some of the same criticisms 
of this film that I might have brought up on that film. But I feel like I like that film better. Yeah. Which I work out why. Alita had its issues. Alita had its issues. They tried to shove a load of book two and three into what was book one, which messed with so much to do with the character's emotional development. And they put in a load of cheesy stuff that didn't need to be there. But you could see there was like love for the source material in the heart and soul of it. And the characters were likable and it had enough of nods to the original that it was still something that you felt like you were you were hoping the main characters would prevail and it wasn't entirely obvious what was going to happen whereas you oh watching God. ready player one you know the end within the first three seconds of watching the film also mm. it had no respect for the source material like zero <laughs> they're, they're not even the same thing they're very different they're, they're so different oh my god yeah Can we get seen, into the okay right, i'll do the recap I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> let me okay i'll get to the recap and then we will unleash tazzy so um, <laughs> <laughs> all right so the story takes us to 2045 where people escape reality through the virtual reality universe called the oasis co-created by James Halliday and Ogden Morrow of Gregarious Games. After Halliday's death, a pre-recorded message left by his avatar Anorak grants ownership of the Oasis to the first player to find the golden Easter egg by accomplishing three challenges. The contest lures a number of egg hunters or gunters and the interest of Nolan Sorrento, the CEO of Innovative Online Industries or IOI, who want to control Oasis uh, for, you know, corporate stuff, money, power, advertising dollars, all that stuff. Wade Watts lives with his aunt Alice and her abusive boyfriend, Rick. Wade's avatar, Parzival, takes the part in the first challenge alongside his best friend, H, and Artemis. After a visit to a simulated archive of Halliday's life, Wade realizes the race can be won by driving backwards and receives the first copper key from Anorak. Sorrento asks Irock to learn Wade's true identity so he can bribe him to win the contest on his behalf. Meanwhile, Wade and Artemis discover Halliday once dated Morrow's wife, Karen Kira Underwood. Wade and Artemis look for clues at the distracted Globe nightclub where Wade confesses his love and true name to Artemis. Irock, who was eavesdropping on their conversation, informs Sorrento of his findings. Sorrento contacts Wade with his offer, but when Wade rejects it, Sorrento destroys Wade's home and his aunt and the boyfriend. Artemis's player, Samantha Cook, takes Wade in, and together with their group, known as High Five, search a recreation of the Overlook Hotel from The Shining, where Artemis eventually wins the Jade Key. Sorrento's army captures Samantha in a raid and takes her to an IOI loyalty center. Wade manages to escape with the help of the real-life High Five players and later learns where Samantha is being held, allowing her to escape. The, first cha- the third challenge is in Castle Anorak on Planet Doom, where players must guess Halliday's favourite Atari 2600 game to earn the Crystal Key. Parzival and High Five lead an army of Oasis players against the Sixers, allowing Parzival to reach the console. Sorrento detonates the Cataclysm bomb, wiping out every avatar on planet Doom. But Parzival survives, using an extra life coin given to him earlier by the curator of Halliday's journals in a bet. He plays adventure and wins the crystal key by locating its programmer's Easter egg. 
he uses the three keys to enter a treasure room where Anorak offers him a contract to sign, but Parzival refuses to sign it. Anorak then transforms into Halliday, who expresses his regret in life before handing over the Easter egg. Back in the real world, Sorrento is arrested for the bombing. Ogden Morrow reveals he is the curator, and Wade decides to run Oasis with the High Five, inviting Morrow to join them as a consultant. IOI loyalty centers are shut down while the High Five decides to close the Oasis on Tuesday and Thursdays so people can spend more time in the real world. The end. Right. Tazi, you're niched. So everyone else can leave at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, we can, we can just take, I'm just going to mute my mic um, and we'll see you guys I'm, on I'm the next I'm going to get episode. a cup of tea and I don't even drink tea. So we could. <laughs> So my first uh, question directed to Tazzy is how does the film compare to the book and is this a faithful adaptation? It doesn't compare to the book and no, this is not <laughs> a faithful ab- adaptation in like any way. Basically, all they took is like you was reading the like synopsis of the of the thing and it and it ends at like the first paragraph. <laughs> And then, like, everything just falls apart. Part. The only, like, real thing is, like, these things are the same. Are, like, characters' names. Wow. <laughs> but the actual, like, characters are kind of, like, taken, like, really superficial parts of the characters and made characters. I got that and then Then they just completely rewrote you. Completely. Like, you just... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so... So breathe, breathe. Let me unwrap this, yeah. So I was so looking right, forward before you so before you go, because yeah. so not go, before you yeah, you go on the rant. <laughs> um so the one thing to know is that obviously like because this is two hour film uh and you've got uh however many page book that takes place over a certain amount of time. So there's always gonna be some level of, of condensing a story. So you're gonna have to sort of pick and choose. But I, I get what you're saying about it, it feels very yeah, no, just super they didn't condense so. it though they didn't condense it that's the thing it wasn't condensed it was uh-huh. just changed like you can read the book after watching the film and the book is a new experience okay because that's what i'll be doing that is that's how much it has changed like it is not faithful it is not faithful they were like oh okay cool this is a book that has uh references in it let's put some references in by the way the book is an 80s reference it's kind of an 80s homage with like some wooden references and like future proofing references and uh the film is like we're just gonna reference pop culture uh from now which i get they're trying to like make it more relevant and like there was a mix there was some there was some yeah there was some 70s they kept like yeah, they kept like some key key things, but yeah. like most of it was just <sighs> well, it was just that everything was a reference. You know, everything is covered in like every sticker on somebody's VR helmet, every like patch on somebody's jacket, every poster on every wall. Like yeah. in some sense, I wanted to like commend them because whoever did the mise en scene, whoever was designing the sets for the real yeah. life ones and doing the, the, you know, the CGI backgrounds for all of the, the, the CGI stuff. Like there is not a single square centimeter of a cinema screen that doesn't <laughs> have a reference on it. Like they did their job, man. They did their like, job. Put there. They're not actually. They're not like like in the books. They're they're not just they in the book. Okay, so this is this is what I'm saying. So I got to unwrap it. The book is about 
James Holiday left his will in a video and you and Gunters are trying to win the, the Easter egg and then IOA come and they want it. They're going to ruin everything by winning the egg. Um, Holiday, like, it was obsessed, obsessed with 80s pop culture. Mm, like, I didn't get that from this film. Okay, so yeah, like, obsessed. So all these, like, essentially, like, children, young people are all being, like, consumed by, like, mainly 80s pop culture, but, like, all things kind of, like, video game, uh, sci-fi, like, just, like, real kind of, like, your stereotypical nerdy stuff, right? Yeah, and they said, in because in, I've, I've listened to, like, large chunks of the book, stuff of the audiobook version, and it was saying that, like, songs from the 80s were back in the top 10, clothing fashion from the 80s was back in current trends, like, it had consumed the modern culture culture yeah so that there's they're all obsessed and it's all about finding clues and like little things that like could lead to clues within like this whole thing and they all have these massive like collections of of film tv shows games that they play over and over and over again over again they get into arguments over like there's there's just like everyone's trying to be like the 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 most knowledgeable about all things that holiday loved and like it is a puzzle there is there is a key that they all try and find and then there is a gate that they all have to try and find and then there is another key and then another gate and then another key and then another gate like I get that they couldn't fit all of that in, but they were like, oh no, let's make a race where they go backwards. And I'm like, oh my God. From that moment, that was the moment that I was like, no, okay, I really hate this film. The first moment that I was like, I dislike it is when we meet Parcival. I'm so sorry because, oh my, oh, Wade. As in the actual <laughs> avatar, not, not necessarily Both Wade. Wade and, this, pa- like, okay. and the avatar. Okay, so Wade is supposed to, and his aunt. Oh my god! Literally every character just makes me so angry. <laughs> but like, one thing, and then I'll like open, like I'll stop talking for a bit until the next time I start talking. <laughs> but Wade is like in the in the books. He's this overweight kid who live with lives with his horrible, like horrible aunt. Like really, the only reason he lives with his aunt is because his aunt gets food stamps and can like use the food stamps. To, which is basically like the most valuable thing at that point because the world is kaput like society is in ruins and uh most people are living off benefits and uh oh my god and uh so wade is this overweight kid who lives with his horrible horrible aunt with her even worse like partner than you know that's just even horrible like ex-con ah and he finally like his aunt doesn't know that he has a, a vr oasis unit uh because he hides it in his you know in the little van which by the way he gets to in the debt like he sneaks out very early in the morning not to wake people uh the only his only friend uh not in the oasis is like an old lady who like goes to church <laughs> virtual church obviously um because everyone lives in the oasis like barely anyone is out and he has to like sneak to his hideout because he's scared that he is going to get chopped up i'm sorry it's gonna get really graphic but they describe it like that he's gonna get chopped up into little pieces and his 
organs sold on the black market. So like, I don't know how he's getting away with like just popping down the thing, just saying like seeing loads of people walk past. Like, no, oh my God, <laughs> there's too many people in the real world. Everyone should be locked in their places. The only oh, people that they so that was supposed to be like, a secret thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Borrowed her, his aunt's gloves. Oh my God, no, no, that would not happen. Oh my God. Right. Yeah, his laptop gets across. taken off of him. And so, oh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much. We're not even into it, but there's so much. Yeah, because I, I started reading and then um, when I told Tazzy the point, I was like, she said, stop and then watch it first. Um, so I, I stopped and then I need to come back to it. But um, yeah, interesting. Like the, so the 80s references, my impression that I've got from where I've read up to and seen the film is that in the book, the 80s references are very much related to the character of Halliday and his obsession key. and how that then impacts how the characters navigate this uh, uh, this game, uh, essentially, yeah. to get to the prize. Da, 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 da. Whereas in the film, it does not... I Like, I don't really get an impression that Halliday's obsessed really with 80s culture. And because the film goes beyond sort of 80s and into just like present day it feels more they've just stuffed references that don't really serve a narrative purpose they're just there and they've to... picked the references based on whether or not they had the license licenses to. yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah <laughs> the thing that like... i get that they have to do that the thing that gets me is that like now holiday has no obsession uh so yeah, you don't really get anything and then, um, like the references aren't even used in any way. They were good. They could have adapted it so that they were relevant. Like yeah. I and totally I get... get it. I but as well, like modern things are mentioned in in the book, and like because they go like talk about like the PlayStations, and they list like PlayStation Two, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation One, Two, Three, and all the other PlayStations that exist. Same with Xbox. So, like uh, okay. so, they like acknowledge that there is modern stuff like it's not like oh it's just the 80s and vr it's like all of this stuff exists and there's so many amazing things there's like a point where he goes into an arcade uh, a virtual arcade that has layers of arcades from like all the different centuries or like the the moments and they describe like stuff that wouldn't have existed and still doesn't exist when the book was written but like references all this modern tech that before vr like it exists and oh I'm sorry. okay i'm doing it again yeah no because it's like, it's like, it's, the other thing about holidays like um because even if it's not necessarily about the dating of the references it's the the purpose of them in the story yeah, yeah. and with holiday i just again i've only sort of read the beginning of the story but i got way more personality from holiday in the book than i did from holiday in in the film because he's not compelling yeah. It's the personality of the world as well, because from I, I've listened to chunks of the audiobook, which is read by Will Wheaton, which is like Excellent. amazingly mm. appropriate um, <laughs> because Will Wheaton is referenced in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's talking about himself, which is suitably meta for the sort of referential <laughs> thing this is. And the whole world seems to be a lot less like in the in the film. Like, it isn't clear exactly how desperate and why people all want to live in a digital world. It just it just doesn't seem as threatening. It doesn't seem as desolate. It doesn't, like, everything's, like, been smoothed off. Yes. 
it bugs me because what is the even motive in this i don't understand there is no motive no one cares <laughs> like how know, is anyone that... supposed to understand this yeah, like why do they want to escape they're, um... there's such a big deal with uh, and they put this like really last minute well seemed like last minute storyline that it's because artemis samantha samantha's dad died in a indenturement center oh they don't even call it they call it a loyalty center Ugh. and uh, <laughs> and i'm like and there's this resistance but resistance against the what, what? In, in the book who? the way is so important to everyone's lives that no one cares about the real world election like i can't even remember the line but he described it for like basically like they're uh running the titanic is is sinking already and uh, but everyone votes in the in the Oasis elections because they are the most important thing. That's what Will we ends up for. Everyone he's always voted for. Um, but because they go to school in the, Oasis, in the Oasis as well, which isn't made clear in the movie, is that they are going to the going to school and working, and their monetary value is more important in the Oasis than in the real world. The Oasis currency is the most powerful currency in the world. I think they did mention that in the film. Yeah, they mention it, but they don't 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 feel the weight of it. It is the most, like, not a little bit more valuable. We're not talking about, like, the exchange rate here. We're talking, like, (laughs) like, um, real-world currency is, is, like, collecting, like, it's just so useless and worthless. Like, it's just, like, oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) and if you don't have the weight of how everyone basically lives in this second lifestyle experience if you don't have the weight that the kids are all going to school there people are going to work there if you don't have the weight that the property you own there is worth much more than the you know attempt at a maybe slightly stable stacked up um units you know in the real world that what you have in the oasis is more important if you don't have all that weight of how people rely on it for their entire lives yeah it breaks down the story completely it doesn't yeah it doesn't have that impact and also like the bad guys just look like they want to control wow whereas what they want to control is the world (laughs) i mean it's not even like they want to control wow at this point it's like I don't know, some unknown MMO. <laughs> they don't want Facebook. They want power over the world. Yeah, like this is the, this is their, like, you know, king of literally the world. Like, oh my God. Yeah, that does There's not so come across at all because so, it, it just feels like a, a money-making advertising. Yeah, no, it's like and... they will control the world. Like right. legit, like everyone. Okay, so I want to go back to the Ludus thing, right? Okay. which is a very key point in the like it's it's the starting point of like everything wade winning so ludus is a planet that only has schools on it its sole purpose is for schools to exist and they're all free aren't they as well they're free to access schooling right yeah so halliday sent up set up like a trust so the, his his vision was that every kid on the planet would be able to go to school on ludus yeah. So when you when you enroll into a virtual school, you get sent free gear. Uh, but you have to like you have to hit your grades in the real world to be able to join the school, uh, and then you have to maintain a certain grade to continue to go to school in on Ludus, uh, which is very important for Wade because he's like a really 
he like he's described as like a pretty fat kid that gets bullied in school. He doesn't fit in. Like, and so going to being in VR for him was like very important. He grew up on VR. His mum worked on VR. I'm not even going to mention how. Don't think it's appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, like his dad died when he was young. That bit's still true. But um, he like him going to Ludus, but he cannot go off Ludus. Okay. He is so poor that he cannot go off a virtual planet. He can't even like go out of his school without walking and then he wouldn't be able to get back into school on time because when in the Oasis, when you log out, when you log back in, you appear exactly where you logged out. So, and it, and the only time, so when you arrive in the Oasis, you arrive to like, you know, like a main part uh, where like all, sh- there's loads of shops and, and like some people don't get off the base world that you spawn in. Um, of the oasis because people can have houses there they can like shop to a drop they can just live their lives there but uh you get a credit to go to ludus if you're enrolling in the school but wade is so poor that he's got like the base avatar get up he's he can't go off world he tried one time uh and then irock who also goes to school on ludus in the book took a massive mick out of him and then he just felt really embarrassed uh, and did not. So he has like, he's a low level avatar with nothing. And he wow, just cannot leave school. Very so different. Because the only, the only real, I'm trying to think in the, in the film, there's a moment when he was going to do the race. And I think he went to the... And he doesn't have fuel. He went to the back so that he could collect the coins. But that was such a, I, I, I guess that was them trying to say he doesn't have the same resources as H who's got everything yeah but there was no i don't know i didn't feel any consequence of all yeah that. <laughs> but there was massive a... consequence and like h i think h in the film acting wise brilliant uh character wise oh my god h is like <laughs> <laughs> he's a is a um like fights in the oasis yeah. and wins fights and wins money I from that yeah fights not weird looty runs like he It'll, oh. like an MMA type thing but with giant robots but in the thing and he doesn't have some workshop he has something called the basement which is a chat room essentially but VR like chat and it's the only other place that Wade can go because it like doesn't exist within the I don't know how to explain it but he can go down to the basement and he's kind of, his avatar will still be wherever he is in the Oasis and this is like a separate thing it's like a like, it's like a private server. Yeah. But then he'll still exist in the Oasis. So it's like kind of in a in a chat room, in a virtual reality. <laughs> right, okay. And um, they're like best friends. And yeah, that bit's true. Yeah, but okay. the importance of Ludus. So the first key is found on Ludus. Why? Because Holiday wanted it to go to a student for, for a very particular reason. <sighs> They only mention Ludus once. I think they go past a planet and it has the label on it. Is that yeah. the only mention I think they have? And it's I like, miss yeah. that. I miss that. Oh, like, Wade has to go through so much. Also, Wade's a very problematic character in the books up until his uh, redemption, which I don't think there is any character redemption in the film. Mm, no, he doesn't really. It is very much kind of complete the quest, get the prize, the, the girl. Uh, and, oh, and that's it. Go 
uh, we're gonna we're gonna come to that. But I wanna uh, let's let's take a moment to uh, take a take a look at some of this bread in this sandwich. Um, and you mentioned the the visuals of the film, um, so it does look good. Um, we can all agree uh, on that. So because uh, they've managed to recreate these all these like so many references uh, and mix this like VR world with this sort of real world. Um, it's not a good world, but uh, the real world that they live in. Uh, and I feel, well, I guess my question is like, how well do you think they they manage the the visual representation of the of the worlds, is particularly the virtual world of Oasis? I think it looks good, but it's not anything to do with the book. It looks good. <laughs> as well. It's not. It looks. I'm gonna just take that out. It's not. It's not the same as the book. Anything I talk about is probably not gonna be the same, same as the book. book but yeah. it looks really good. Like. It does. It, it is is visually impressive, um, and I did like how you know, sort of stepping into that uh, VR world and seeing their their avatars um, and seeing the different references. I think that's. Uh, I guess you know we had a conversation about sort of like adaptations uh, in anime and and live action adaptations. I feel that's one of the I guess the the pros of sort of live action ad- adaptations where you can see the visual references or just seeing these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and these icons from different franchises it's it's cool um to to your the point which i feel we're going to come back to a few times of um just the, the shallowness uh, of it um i was thinking about the the end battle and when i saw that mass of characters it did remind me of the end battle in avengers endgame but without the substance and the meaning um mm-hmm. and admittedly endgame is sort of the combination of you know 10 years of storytelling in that moment but even still it's something that had like it wasn't it wasn't just a fight for fight's sake there was a there's a reason that had some depth to it and i felt like even I, yeah i guess that that moment for me kind of summarized the films like it's just all these references but i don't care too much about it i appreciated the references like the spartans running through the chucky yeah, yeah, weapon yeah. The chuck- like, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, every every weapon, every prop, everything, every sticker, every patch on a jacket, everything, like every single gun in the film is taken from a movie or a computer game. There is the Lancer from Gears of War. There is a, the, the gun from uh, Alien. There is every single prop has been taken from another piece of media. Yeah, and that must have been such fun research. Yeah, somebody had a, a fun job that they probably, like, by the end of it, hated and never wanted to watch anything ever again. Um, but every single thing is something. And it's kind of weird that one of the positive things about the film is the fact that there's nothing original in it. It's, um, <laughs> it's a very bizarre kind of, like... Out. Yeah, Which it's a, a very annoying, bizarre thing. A little bit annoying, because it's like... Like, okay, even the book is, like, very heavily referenced. Like, original stuff exists. (laughs) Yeah, there is. In the film, it feels like there's zero. (laughs) Yeah, most people's avatars are uh, skins of characters from other games. You see Lara Croft and Tracer and um, Halo characters and all sorts of things. Like, you can look at any... You can, like, pause that film at any point and they'll probably be, like, literally not overestimating a hundred points of reference in it. Yeah. Like, especially in some of those busier scenes. But even just in scenes of, like, 
the little girl who's playing in on the the Doom Planet thing, and she loses, and she takes her head. It's like she's got Donkey Kong posters, she's got Hello <laughs> Kitty poster. Every single thing is, you know, everyone's t-shirts, everyone's yep, socks, yep. everyone's presumably also their underpants, even though you don't see them. They are all. <laughs> branded from some particular piece of um, yeah. media even if that media feels like it is a bit just splatter gun in this and doesn't have anywhere near the um the, the, the succinctness of making it kind of like this is an 80s obsessed thing this is just a, a references obsessed thing because they so wanted to appeal to the younger audience that they stuck in a load of references for them too but i yeah. mean for me this this is a this is an example of steven spielberg making an incredibly polished veneer of a ger generic plot overlaid with a lot of ideas and graphics from a book written by a person who loves Spielberg films. <laughs> and, and you know, it's like literally Ernest Kleiner said how much he loves Spielberg and Spielberg's then done his film. And Spielberg's yeah. like, I love Kubrick. I'm going to put The Shining in it. And it, yeah. it's this weird. And I'm like, uh, what that are they going to cool do? Make another one. Fair, do you know what? Yeah. The Shining thing is the only like contest thing that I was like, okay, this is like kind of, there's a challenge here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel like, like they had to know something. Yeah. Because the thing it with the challenges cool. is that it in the book, I get the sense that, you you really had to know this guy and you really had to sort of in a sense be obsessed with him to figure this out whereas yes. in the yeah in the film it didn't quite come across but except that one where you they kind of had to know a bit more about him and sort of you know the leap not taken or what that sort of you know it's not literally it's it's mm. um kind of like about the relationship that he didn't pursue and yeah i kind of i like that i like that it's sort of because it was a challenge in itself, but it, again, it went to the character. So it went to what you see at the end, ultimately the, the sort of sadness of um, Halliday, even though he had become this sort of billionaire and this sort of, you know, world-renowned figure, he's still quite sad. And part of that sadness was, I guess, part of, you know, not taking that opportunity with um, this woman that he was he was dating. So I kind of, I like how that fitted in with uh, everything. Yeah. yeah, I can see what they were trying to do with some points of the adaptation because there's bits in the book where it's like teenager stands there and plays Atari game for half an hour, right? That That's unfortunately not a Spielberg film. You, you can't just have a... It's very difficult for repeated challenges to have things where... And you obviously can't have thing of uh, character stands there and says every single line from a movie, a different yeah. movie. You obviously yeah. can't do that. Uh, not only would that be the exactly like the length of the extra movie added into the runtime of this movie, but it is also not make good cinema. You'd have to do it as a weird montage of somebody just saying every line from a film. And I could see what they wanted to do was make the challenges more cinematic, more visual. And I think they kind of achieved that with The Shining thing, even though it weirded me out because I was like, here's someone who loves someone else who loves someone else. And then I was expecting in The Shining there to be a little note from Kubrick that says, I like Hello Kitty. Look, there's one hidden over there. Um, and it sort of started getting a bit meta and almost fourth wall breaky with it. Um, and they tried to add in a more emotion as well, more knowing about Halliday rather than just repeating things verbatim which happened in the book which i found to be a bit tedious and uh, i was like is it really a challenge to to be to, to know someone or to understand someone to be able to just recite a film script that just means you could be an actor and i felt that <laughs> but it, it kind of like it kind of felt a bit like they were trying to add a bit more 
emotion in, which you because you couldn't have done it in a way you can with a book. If you added in reciting something word for word in a film, you could not put enough context on it for it not to just like someone has memorized something. Yeah. Mm. So I can see what they were trying to do. Yeah. The thing for me is like if they put like the shining bit was like an actual challenge. Now, if they'd done Mm. that for the the first challenge and the the third one. Driving yeah. backwards in a race because no oh. one does that in the computer game as soon oh, as they've loaded it up. Oh my god! I was like, this is so weak. This is there's so many things you could have come up with. Like... I would have done that by accident. I'm dyslexic. Yeah. I often <laughs> go the wrong way around Mario Kart like, tracks because I don't notice. Because I was I thinking like, like you say, no one's done this before. Like no yeah. one. It's like everyone does that in a racing game. People like to break the game. People do that. I drive the wrong way by accident. Yeah. I would have solved that puzzle and got a key that could have potentially given me the power to control the world well, and yeah. billions of dollars <laughs> yeah. because I go the wrong way around racing tracks yeah. sometimes. Like that that just... <laughs> and it was like, oh, the weird bit where he finds it because Halliday stands there and stares at the edge and goes, what if there was a way we could go backwards? I was like, it's literally, they're getting handed everything on a plate. Why? Why? Speaking of getting handed everything on a plate, the one that annoyed me was the password um, to... Uh, oh, that made me laugh. The, the rig. Because they, they kind of telegraphed it, but I was like, really? Come, uh, really? This is another <laughs> thing, okay? Just, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorrento, uh, in yes. the book, is actually very smart. And is knows his knowledge is a really good um, game developer, but just I don't know how he even gets mixed up with IOI. But like so he's lost his way. He's yeah. He's some, but in this, he's like just some. You know, he's just a suit. Like he has yeah. no yeah. care for it. But yeah. he, he and they does make a point care. to show him as someone who isn't. He just he's not up on the, the references. He doesn't care. He just wants yeah. the money and the, the power. They wanted him to be the cardboard cutout antagonist who is the opposite of the protagonist and and like in the books he is controlled by ioi he doesn't like they make him the the enemy when ioi is the true enemy he's just a puppet and like he's he's like there because he i don't know if he I, i don't quite know but he's he he could be a solo gunter if he wasn't with IOI, he would be able to put his knowledge and his brains into being a better gunter. And he he's sort of like it, like for me in the books, it seems like he's a he would have been a gunter, but he like lost his confidence that he could do it on his own and he really wanted to win. And that and he's like an IOI employee, but he yeah, like he's so superficial in the film, like yeah, I don't get any of that. And that kind of sort of brings me to the other thing I want to touch on. And like I said uh, earlier on, that there's some criticisms I have of this that I had of Alita. Uh, and one of them was the sort of lack of characterization. I feel it's, it's to an extreme point here where just the characters really aren't fleshed out in any kind of way, except maybe like Halliday through his memories. You kind of get a sense of... A, I mean, I don't, he's not, for me, he's not a particular, particularly captivating character in the film, but I at least get a sense of his, I guess, his, his sadness and, and some of his life, the missed opportunities and, uh, and whatnot. But yeah, that's else, not, a, that's not yeah. necessarily a good point in its favor. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> if, if your most intriguing character is effectively a dead dude from the setup, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you get a connection to Halliday purely because the, 
that everyone's following him. So it'd be really hard. Like you'd have to make a conscious effort to write a book that revolves around people learning about this person and not get to know the person, right? But like, like it's secondary in the book. Like you get, you probably actively know more about Ogden Morrow in the book than like you just know Halliday because they are having to learn about Halliday. And um, his character, even his characters, but oh my God. And like, there's so much the, I can talk about and the, I just <laughs> so like on the characterization thing and even the just the shallowness and like I said this being a straight line film I feel like a really mm. good example is that so um Wade rejects the deal from um from Sorrento and then Sorrento kills his aunt and then and Rick and okay we so we haven't spent that much time with his aunt and Rick so we don't delve deeply into them but there is no time spent on the death of his his family like at no, all. No, he's I, I just get, not fast. He's like, just not fast. Not even, yeah. not even a moment. It just he has not, a relationship. It's barely a beat. It's yeah. barely a beat. They just move on to the next thing. It's like no word at all. Like whoa, <laughs> like literally, you saw them blow up. Like well, nothing. he's lost his parents. He's lost his parents, and now he's lost his only relatives, even if they weren't very nice. And there's no and emotional fallout. So this is the no. thing that gets me: is that they added the whole moment with Wade and his aunt to make it look like they had some kind of relationship. And then he doesn't care about them in the book. At all. He he doesn't care about them, and it, like when they die he's like oh that kind of sucks because no one should die but he's more concerned about the old lady that was actually nice to him because his aunt essentially like they are blood but there is nothing there and that's fine Uh, it's just and that's fine but and even that but he even like in the book it changes it that also a he's like caring more about the the uh old lady uh, because he's got a connection, but as well, he's like sitting there and like his, he could have been killed. Like, yeah, it takes a moment to like, even if you don't care about anyone in that building, you nearly died. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't it, get that in it, the film. Like, even if he did, he didn't, because we know he didn't care about his aunt and, and such, even if he didn't and they showed that, they took a moment to show that, then that's, that at least goes to character that shows that, oh, the relationship was so bad, even re- when she's blown up, he can't spare a tear and he's more concerned about. The, the old lady I had a relationship always more, more concerned about himself and that would show like some character but just nothing mm. nothing spent on it so and then the other thing is that um again <laughs> uh, straight line it's funny as I was watching it uh, in the early bits as they were like establishing the characters uh, I was just thinking like when it got to the point of the race and Wade finds his place and he pulls up and there's a shot where you can see like him in his car in the window and I was thinking to myself like the only character we haven't been introduced to yet is the love interest. And then along comes Artemis. I literally <laughs> just in the spot as I was thinking about it. Like, that's how straight line this film is. Um, so, and with Samantha, <laughs> is that I, I was a bit... Because I, I kind of liked her character a little bit until we met her in real life. Because then they kind of did her a disservice. Because in in Oasis, she she's getting uh, close to... Uh, Wade and that whole relationship is, is way accelerated anyway uh, which I'm sure uh, yeah we can kind again. of forgive them for being teenagers in a world where presumably people die quite quickly but <laughs> yeah, I don't know, know. But, <laughs> but specifically before we get to that is that she 
she has she has something there's some background to her like her father and everything like that but then that just gets pushed aside and there's nothing there's nothing there <laughs> just when when they meet because she's supposed to have this tragedy to her but and uh, well, she's like supposed Dex to have this terrible disfiguring scar that just basically looks like a small amount of blusher or a birthmark and would have no real effect and again it was part of the process of making everything smoothed off at the edges and very, very shiny very everyone off. is i mean not necessarily attractive but there is nothing unattractive about them and whenever you have a character that says don't look at me i'm hideous and you're like oh you've got a paper cut on your face it just yeah, doesn't no. <laughs> it doesn't work yeah. you know or so the scar if, if there Hollywood is a scar thing. but if there is a scar it has to mean something like if it's like um a scar across your face because you were marked by your own father who tried to right, kill you right. and you are ashamed of it and you were brought dishonor exactly. and yeah. blah, blah, blah. character yeah <laughs> then that would explain why you internalized this external um, disfigurement in, in air quotes um, to the point where you thought you were hideous she literally if they didn't tell me she had some kind of issue with her face I would not have noticed me neither oh, can I unpack it go on <laughs> yeah go on we'll, we'll let Tazzy off the, off the leash <laughs> I'm like a dog yeah, I mean, hold on right, so in the book uh, like I hate that he just wins like I so quickly in this because in the book, oh, he's hella problematic. Like they are oh, like not okay. If you you'd be like that's unhealthy. Anyway, so he falls like hopelessly in love with her instantly. He's been following her forever, and like follows her blogs and everything. So he's already he right. thinks he's already in love with her. Yeah, he's like, got a parasocial one sided obsession, hasn't he? Yeah. By the time like they meet, but she likes him when they meet because just they've got like they get like a like a moment I don't know uh but she like obviously like the one thing they got right is that she has this thing about you know you don't know me you do not know me in the real which world like. she's very adamant which I like I like that thread that they did yeah. not follow so and her her avatar in the book and I if for me I feel like it's such an important point so avatars like most people's avatars if they have a female avatar they're like very stereotypical beauty avatars and like people go for like the real glamorous bodies you know like perfectly quote-unquote attractive boob to hip waist ratio you know like you know like like people in second life but better yeah. amount of pixels <laughs> and and like really like there's like the model avatar you can buy and like the Barbie doll, like people have these like very stereotypical, like magazine cover, beautiful avatars. And she makes a point to use an avatar based off her real body without the birthmark. So that's the only difference between her avatar and her, her in real life is her birthmark. And so she's very conscious of it because the, the, the online standard is like just not real. So there is no there is no imperfections in the online standard. If you have a human female modeled avatar, it is perfection. And so when you finally get to this point where you meet her, like it is a point where it's like, oh, it's not that bad. But the reason why it seems that bad to her is because of beauty standards that she's being held up to, you know? And like okay. in in the in the oasis she has her real body they comment on the fact that you know it's like this 
like nice body, but just real. Like, and he Wade likes that about her, which is why he's adamant that she's not like a guy in their mum's basement. But they also go through like this character arc where like Wade is problematic. He's a problematic guy. Even after she turns him down and like he's she's like, I don't want us to see each other anymore in the Oasis. Like I uh, I should have been focusing on getting the egg. I want to change the world. By the way, that's her motive. She wants to like fix the world. And uh, like, and she's like, okay, like we're not speaking. And he just constantly like bombards her with messages and like stands okay, outside that, her stronghold. Like doing He the... goes full 80s, very yeah. toxic romance boombox on her, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah sends flowers like waits outside her stronghold in the oasis like but does he learn yeah so so he 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 has like a uh he like completely transforms himself he uh he doesn't change in this film yeah he's just like one flat thing (laughs) yeah and he's rewarded for it and he's rewarded for doing literally nothing like in so he goes through this massive character arc where he like so he moves, like obviously his trailer gets blown up. He like got to get the hell out of Dodge. He sits on a bus, goes way out to where the IOI uh, place is. Oh, that brings me on to another thing, but I'll go go on to that maybe possibly. <laughs> <later>. um, <laughs> and uh, gets himself an apartment, which is like a hotel that's been transformed into like these one person apartment pod things with no light coming in from the outside world and yeah and then he goes for a point where where he gets after he gets dumped he tries like uh online brothels and he's like yeah no she was right like this isn't real and then he like sets his goals on like realigns his goals of again like going back to the egg because before artemis that was his only real like goal in life and uh like gets fit like he's not allowed on the actual oasis until he runs this program where his fitness program he has to go on a treadmill and he's got all this fancy gear which he didn't have before he just had the gloves and the visor before uh now he's got like all this haptic feedback and everything and he's even got like smells but he has those off because you know you get old (laughs) and uh he like has a strict diet if he orders something not in his diet he has to do more out like more time on the treadmill he also like he just works on himself so by the time that he meets artemis in the real world which is like the way everyone meets is so beautiful uh (laughs) like he's kind of had a talking to by his friends and uh he's like okay yeah i need to take a step back but he's still kind of forward he's still kind of eager but she's like okay let's this is where we're starting from like she's very adamant like this is where we're starting from we can get to know each other now and okay. then yeah because even yeah no that's because he doesn't change and he doesn't learn and he doesn't have to <laughs> in this world but even the moments where they they meet i feel there's a missed opportunity and I, i'll probably touch on this in the storytelling tip but where they because one of the themes that I like, and we can also touch on some of the themes, is this idea of this virtual online experience does not re- represent reality. So when Artemis tells him, you don't really know me, but even things like uh, with H, when he meets her in real life and find out H is Helen, um, mm-hmm. that's that's something. That's like, oh, 
because he says this is my best friend and Ooh. I guess we've all assumed it's a guy I guess that's, yeah. that's the point and we find out it's actually this, this woman there's a chance to, to say something there like maybe the relationship changes because I you're not who I thought you were what does that mean yeah. for our friendship it's- I just want to give a, a shout to um just make sure I don't forget this to a Black Mirror episode which kind of does this way better but it's uh for I think season wherever the latest season season five uh, episode one is called Striking Vipers and it's got uh, Anthony oh Mackie I've seen that one yeah there. And that does that whole, it's not exactly the same thing, but it, it touches on this virtual, this virtual life and this experience where two kind of men uh, form this, well, actually, I don't want to uh, spoil it. It's a really uncomfortable, uh, yeah. in some places, uh, relationship. Well, it's the difference forms. between their online and their offline, offline. relationship. Yeah. And then them, for. I mean, I, I, then, I don't think it's the best offline. episode, but it was an interesting idea. Dear, yeah, because um, so like surrogates, surrogates yeah. try to. That's the, I think that's the name of the movie. The one where everyone goes around basically in a robot, and their robot surrogates are all perfect. But there are a few kind of hints that some people their surrogate isn't isn't just like most people, which is themselves, but after like ten, twenty, thirty thousand pounds worth of cosmetic surgery and doesn't age. Some people's surrogates are different a lot more like in terms of um, gender and so forth and things and it's not the best film in the world by a long shot but it had that kind of idea of all the relationships you form like because one of the characters is married but she won't interact with her partner unless it's through this robot because she feels too inferior to her own avatar Okay, mm. so even things like that, it's you're so you're carrying the theme out and you're exploring it and you're finding yeah. you know, what does it mean yeah. to have this relationship online with this person? I didn't know, yeah, actually, this is the real you, and it just doesn't it doesn't tackle yeah. that at all. Um, I feel so like missed opportunities. the book doesn't tackle it, uh, in the in a necessary like all the characters are kind of like it's never a point where it's like, oh my god, this person is shockingly different apart from a different gender or he's an 11 year old um, kid he's like let's talk there's about no 11 year old kid in in the book okay. i like i liked that that was kind of funny but that it's not that like that actually yeah. uh they kind of i'm not even gonna say because you haven't read the book something else happens to one of them too okay <laughs> um, but i'm not gonna spoil it because you've still got that to go um but yeah so in the book they, they at least address like wade and h's first meeting in the real world like at first like wade i think like he kind of gets flushed with a or like a wave of like betrayal at first but then he's like but this but then they kind of talk no actually at first it's helen's like cheshire grin and voice it's like it's the same and then they kind of it's like really awkward uh, and then she, and she's like, what you didn't think I was a large African-American, like really like with a, a, an emphasis. And then he says something like, oh, no, I didn't realize you were so cool or something really thing. Uh, and then they have like this really awkward moment. And then they get a chance to like, they have a whole plane journey where they can talk it out. Like they realize that's that, what I wanted to see. Yeah, Just it's like, oh, like you are the same person, but there's like, I think at first it's like, oh, I've like told you about girls I like. (laughs) Uh, And you kind of learn about her and why she's, why she's represented herself as a guy online. And that's another like really deep point. And they totally miss it in the film. Mm. (laughs) It's so upsetting. And 
touches on like racism. Is it correct that her avatar in the book isn't like a big cool robot-y type thing, but is more just just a regular person? Yeah, yeah, because that also changes it. I think it sort of felt like they didn't want to get into that in the film. Yeah, like they purposefully they wanted to make something accessible, fun, reasonably shallow, and shiny. They don't want to touch on anything. They didn't even want to touch on a subject. Can't just just use a gun in in the book. You have to register it to your thumbprints and everything, and it has a twenty four hour cooldown before you can use it. (laughs) That would that would cause too much. (laughs) No, they wanted, I think, more to follow. There's a here. There's a very obvious kind of hero arc and hero gets the girl type thing. There's clearly they've tried to take what it sounds because I I know bits of the book but not the whole book and obviously not as well as Tazzy but to me the bits I do know of it from the audiobook which I've dipped in and out of um you you sort of look at it and um it it isn't so much of this Charlie and the Chocolate Factory type thing Mm. because in the film it's it feels like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like you know Willy Wonka is leading the child through some tasks to to see if they are worthy of taking over yeah and I get the feeling it's not quite like that in the book from the bits I know. Yeah, like, uh, it kind of is the idea that he does want a child to get it. But th- there ain't no, it's not like some little baby tasks to go through. There's like <laughs> serious studying involved. <laughs> I just want to, just in case we don't cover all of them, I just want to like quick fire some of my thoughts while watching the yeah, film. Yeah, I was going to give you like, because I was going to make a couple of last points, but then I want to give you time to quick fire any other issues. Do you want okay, to do a quick yeah. fire now? Or? No, no, go for your other points, okay. it's fine. So, uh, so one big, one small point um, from what I've got here is that uh, there's another thing about, you know, themes in the story where I kind of, kind of find it depressingly familiar, especially the time we're in now, how we're all being pushed to these virtual worlds just by necessity but i do worry if we're getting used to that and you know this this uh world that's shown in ready player one is what we're working towards uh because of the pandemic and everything like that so you've got this people basically escaping reality because reality is so bad and 2020 has been so bad that i could just see people you know what give me oasis i'm i'm in that yeah uh, i live in I really don't like that yeah <laughs> and as as big a fan of technology as i am I, I don't like that and it's funny when um when i started reading the book it was it was weird for me because i so i have a lot of well not a lot of i have books in my bookshelf but uh they all tend to be uh fantasy books because i actually don't necessarily like reading about technology just because i've sort of experienced it enough it's like let me just get out of out of that um and yeah so seeing this world that's just eerily similar to where we could be going uh is another theme but that's that's one thing uh small thing i wanted to touch on is just the um i just find it funny the uh offer of um uh 50 million credits at the end uh, and turning that down just reminded me of dave Chappelle uh turning down 50 million uh dollars from his comedy central so i was half expecting uh, a way to escape to south africa and that to be part two uh, of this film but that didn't happen uh, that's another missed opportunity but anyway uh yeah so Tazzy, do you want to like bring this all together with your quick fire yeah issues go on. bring us Ready the Fair knowledge Tazzy. Yeah. <laughs> okay so this is like just as a film without thinking of the book uh my like quick thoughts i was writing down this is the only way i could get through it uh so 
I'm just going to like list it off <laughs> and then I can <laughs> unpack some other stuff. But why is there so many people people about he's supposed to sneak out of the stacks because it's super dangerous? They overexplain everything, but then it doesn't show any anything off. Like it's just talked about and then not shown. Uh, there's such low stakes. There's like zero stakes. I don't even know if there is stakes. Like, okay. Everything is literally handed to them on the plate. It doesn't feel like there's any relationship building. The Clark Kent glasses really need explaining. Like, I think even if you're not into comics and super, you understand the concept that Superman puts on glasses and suddenly is Clark Kent and we didn't need that to explain. We could have seen it. Yeah, we just need to put the glasses on, like to yeah. jump in and say and double down on one of Tazzy's yeah. points about the explaining. He walks past windows where there are people doing things in the world, so weirdly with their curtains open because apparently they don't mind if you they watch you no imaginary fun, pole dance. So and, yeah. and they're saying people could do whatever they want, and it's like you're showing me that. Why yeah. are you also telling me that? You could be telling me something else while you're showing me that and have a double layered thing. Exactly. So. Yeah, that was a that was a weird choice. <laughs> uh, like, what's Wade's motives? We follow him all the way, but it doesn't feel like he's got any stakes in it at all. Uh, the re- re- rebellion against who, who, what, what we rebelling against? It's all in one city. It completely makes the oasis seem very unimportant. Like the point of it is that it brings people around the world together and you could be playing with someone that's like literally across the world. And in the book, they are. There's people in Japan. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Adaito and Shoto are in Japan. Make uh, They make a big deal about no clans in the beginning and then they they all team up so easily. Doesn't happen in the books. They are very much solo gunters until the very, very end and it's such a difficult decision to make. Uh, Wade's kind of problematic in this in terms of he's very eager to get with the girl and then he still gets the girl. Like, I didn't like that way too no uh i hate that artemis is just like a supporting act for wade in this like she's just there to be like yeah you go away oh (sighs) (laughs) um (laughs) uh daito and okay this goes back to the point of like the oasis all in one city like why are daito and sho in this case why are they in america like they Everyone should be in Japan. On the same block. I didn't get yeah. that. <laughs> like, around the corner from... No! I kind of do love that show is an 11-year-old. It's just adorable little thing. Um, I like the idea of the oologists I- I- in their blue suits just arguing around the table. I think that was excellent. And if they made it true to this is the one thing I'd say, keep it. Um, <laughs> why does I- I Rock even exist in this film? Like IOI is a big, rich company. They are massive and they're paying IROC. Like they don't just have their own person to do this. Why do, Why are you there? Like you have no purpose in this film. Uh, you don't have much purpose in the book, but your little purpose is served and then you're kind of dismissed for the rest of it. Um, the real world office hack thing is kind of cool little thing you know i like I the hack just not how they got there that's just so yeah that it's so easy sorrento's password totally made me laugh boss man 69 hilarious <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> the sixers looked really really cool the chuck i've already mentioned it but the chucky thing i loved it um 
Irox arms bleeding out the coins like it was a cool <laughs> visual touch on losing your loot. There was zero redemption arcs in this. And amazing acting from H. <laughs> I like that knowledge dump from Tazzy. I'm trying to think if there's anything I can I can I can add to that. Um probably no one can really top Tazzy for knowledge. I think probably a bit of a shout out. I mean, there was a load of music which was disturbingly on point with the lyrics of, as to what was happening on the scenes. Um, what, was, what was the song in the background when he's talking to, where Percival's talking to Artemis in the uh, garage? It's, it's something... Oh, Temptations, it's, Just My um, Imagination. Yeah, just oh. it's just everything is so... To the point where <laughs> I started to find it kind of funny, so I kind of enjoyed it because it literally, if somebody yells, you know, someone puts on jump and then go ahead and jump, somebody will jump, you know? It's like yeah, they're yeah. controlled by the music. I kind of enjoyed that. I'm not sure if it was intentional, but I found that entertaining. <laughs> it's definitely um, intentional. intentional because yeah. in the yeah. music has it, there's music. Is has it supposed to be funny? <laughs> no, I don't think, in the book, like there is a very important part that involves a puzzle with music and like, oh, there's like extra puzzles. Oh, I just remembered another thing that really bugs me about the <laughs> Like there's not a thousand things that bugs me about the movies. The way that Wade gets, uh, Parsifal gets his extra life coin. <sighs> Do you know what happens in the book? Actually, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm a lady. You're going to leave him to find out yeah, and then yeah. sound but, angry at you later. <laughs> yeah like he just hands on a plate again everything's just, happening yeah, and very, Laura, very oh my god he's so cool in the in the in the books he's like this got an epic avatar because oh and the whole like how they fell out is also a load of <laughs> we'll just put we'll just start adding in some beeps and things yeah, for Tazzy yeah. right now just this is a load of beep and then the beep and then yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna put another positive thing in there just so we have something positive near the okay. end is which is to say that some of the original bits of score put together by back to the future legend um Sylve silvestri am i saying his name right uh some of the original bits of score were were, were good and uh, went along beautifully with the visuals. There you go. There's one. There's one. Cool. There's one positive. We, we got Hi, one. Well, I think <laughs> we have. Well, maybe we haven't covered everything in that. No, if you want a second podcast, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tazzy, <laughs> Tazzy will be doing a 48-hour live rant over on Twitch. <laughs> I would happily do that. I would so happily do that. Rant.tv will be an audience. <laughs> I um, will just start a whole channel on YouTube for ranting about Ready Player One. I think I could keep do it. it. Do it. Do it. Second book coming. Okay. Well, I mean, if you uh, if you are listening and there's something we have or Tassie hasn't got to, please let us know your rants, uh, and you can send us that feedback. Yeah, and if they do a second film, I'm sure we can. Uh, all get together and rant <laughs> uh, about that unless they improve the storytelling um so speaking of storytelling um i'm gonna add some bits uh, to this in the storytelling tip for this week uh, and i'm just gonna retouch on what i mentioned about themes because again going back to uh elita for some reason it was able to overcome some of the narrative issues and i understand i think in a similar way uh with ready player one that they just made a decision to make a spectacle uh rather than getting into deep narrative themes and that's fine if that's the decision 
they made. Um, but I guess I just wanted to make a point that not necessarily everyone can do what St uh, Steven Spielberg has done here and also may not work for your story if it's a non-moving picture story. Uh, so I just wanted to also shout out the uh, Well Story podcast, uh, which talks a bit about themes in stories and how to execute on them. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But what I wanted to pull out is just the fact that in this film, what annoyed me is you have interesting themes that are set up and not really dealt with in any way that affects the plot or the characters as Tazzy mentioned no redemption arcs or anything so things like uh, Artemis reminding Wade that they don't know each other when he professes his love for her on the first date and uh, he's seeing an online avatar and a mental picture that he's largely invented but then when they meet they still get together without any sort of uh, issue so kind of drops that and then a uh, similar thing in um, non-romantic relationships, uh, as I touched on with Wade and H, there's an interesting discussion to be had there, uh, which doesn't happen. So that's kind of what I felt about the the themes uh, in the story that just kind of are raised up slightly, um, but don't go anywhere. Even the whole theme of um, this, how this virtual, escaping to a virtual world kind of relates to the situation we're in today even you know before sort of the the pandemic but i feel in this film even that kind of theme and any thought to that theme comes as a result of us projecting our experiences not necessarily because they come from the character completing a character arc and learning a lesson that relates to the film so my tip is really just about setting up themes in your story and just carrying them through in the actual characters um so yeah just think about how you introduce your your themes uh, and thematic statements and uh, again to mention the world story podcast which goes into more detail uh, about that but i will just say when you start a theme or sorry when you start a story and i always like to mention this when i do workshops even like with uh, young people that there should be some kind of theme and some kind of statement message that you're trying to make in your story through your characters and their character arcs uh, so really, when you're thinking about your story, have a think about um, some important topics that you want to explore. So you can have themes of uh, themes of love, themes of war, themes of uh, rich versus poor, things like that. Then within those themes, you want to make your thematic statements. So you delve into them a bit more to express a particular statement. So yeah, if, if your theme is about love and your uh, thematic statement is, you know, love can blind us to... Um, sort of our own thought uh, faults uh, things like that um, and then once you've got your themes and your statements you think about how to express them through your characters and a narrative that you are trying to tell so the way I like to think about it uh, when I'm putting together stories is once you have your theme identify where your characters sit on that theme spectrum I don't know if that's the official term but I'm using it the theme spectrum um, so who are your characters when their stories begin then you want to go to what they will experience in the story. What is going to challenge their outlook on the, on life that they start the story with? What internal conflicts are they going to experience? And then finally, you want to consider the character arc. So who will they be at the end of this journey um, when it comes to a close? What will they learn? And what message do you want to convey to your readers or viewers um, through that story? 
uh, a lot of which is not done in Ready Player One, but something you should think about in your stories. And yeah, that is my tip uh, for this episode. So Tazzy, let's find out about what our guest has been up to or will be up to in future. Yeah, so this is the part of our podcast where we just get a little bit more details on our guests and their latest news or interesting products. So Bex, what have you got for us? Yeah, well, a lot of the time at the moment, I seem to live on Twitch very much in a digital world, um, as we have been discussing. It may not be quite as snazzy as the Oasis, um, but hopefully it's a poor second-rate substitute since we don't have the Oasis and people would like to drop by. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm full-time on, on, on Twitch at the moment and I do a mixture of different shows from chatting shows where we go into sometimes very long uh, detailed rants on particular things. I, I, I spent at least an hour and a half ranting about the Arkham Asylum um, games today um, before then talking about Lego Um I also do a show where we go and hang out on a totally real beach and do something quite similar, as well as doing gameplay streams in the evenings. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's just good fun. And hopefully people enjoy enjoy popping by and hanging out there. It certainly helps to keep me vaguely sane. Um, I won't say completely sane because I don't want to oversell it. <laughs> you can also find a lot of my content over on YouTube. I interview indie comic book creators, indie games creators and things like that. In fact, that's how I met the awesome Nigel from My Mother was I interviewed him about his comic books at a Hyper Japan originally. That's a true story. And he hasn't been able to get rid of me since. And also so a true I, story. <laughs> I interview a lot of indie creators and um, support a lot of the indie community. And that's one of my passions. So you can see a lot of that content over on my YouTube channel. So yeah, if you'd like to uh, go and online stalk me or hang out in the second rate oasis known as Twitch, my name is Trista Bytes, uh, spelled B-Y-T-E-S, because I thought I was being funny by making a pun that I'd then have to explain on every podcast I'm on. And uh, you can find me on all the normal social medias, Twitch and YouTubes. Great. So we will put the relevant links in the show notes. So make sure you check Bex out. Uh, so we now have a couple of questions um, from our listeners. The first question is from Kawhi Prince MH on Instagram. It's what would you do if you was in the same shoes as the main character Wade was during the movie? Yeah, that's a surprisingly tough one because you could literally do anything. Yeah, mm. I'm assuming they're mean in, in the as Oasis. in our existence as opposed to being him because I, I, yeah. I can't fully <laughs> empathise with what I feel <laughs> as a fairly unself-aware teenage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um sort of where would we go what would we do um that's that's a difficult one that's like the that's like what would your superpower be type level of difficult question um i I I don't think i'd play fps's i think that would be my first statement i think i would go to beautiful fantasy lands and fly around and do all of those very standard things certainly as as a first point of call i think i would seek out uh, new life and new civilizations. Uh, no, I would go to beautiful places and try and explore space and go and see things that I could never see in the real world. Although I understand the characters in that story, their real world is is very very dire. So I guess anything nice is a 
is an escapism for them. But for me, with my existence of the real world as it is currently, it would have to be, yeah, flying around space and, and going to magical lands and fantasy places and just having the ultimate globe universe tro- tro- um, trotting clip of a, of a lifetime. I think I do the same. Like, I think like experiences, like yeah, experiences I can't have um, in the in the real world, or can't easily have that you can just go to and just like experience new things, experience like new people, cultures, and things like that. Basically, like travel, virtual, virtual yeah. traveling. Um, yeah, like I, I think like I'd idea. want peace more than adventure. Like I like adventure, but my idea of adventuring is like uh, I've been paragliding like near Mount Fuji and things like that, which is like adventure, but it's also peaceful and beautiful. And I think I'd be more up for that rather than just heading to planets where you're constantly under stressful experiences and shooting everything. If I was in the same shoes as, as Wade specifically, I think the first thing I'd do is get a personality. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All that oasis and no personality. That's a shame. Yeah, if I was in the Oasis, I mean, you say movie, so I don't really know what the movie Oasis actually entails. But if it was like the Oasis as described in the books, oh my God, like literally everything, literally everything. I'd play Quidditch and then I would I'd play through like all of my favorite games but as the character in the game, and it would be amazing, like playing through Wind Waker as Link, like, and I'd feel like I'm physically there, I would have a bunch of disguises and just like mess with people. Uh, <laughs> I would go to like every different type of planet. So a magic-only planet, a tech-only planet, a chaos planet, a... Uh, just a everywhere. dead space planet <laughs> yeah i would like just oh my god infinite and i would do it all it'd be like my games catalog but but more because it would be like everything <laughs> everything um so the next question uh also from Kawhi prince mh is what was your favorite gaming cameo in the film oh i don't know Fave. i don't know favorite the one that i don't know why because I haven't played this game in ages, but what I seem to just like, be like, oh, the most was the Gears of War one. Mm. I don't know why though. I feel like it was such a perfect, like they used a Gears weapon ducking the right moment. Cover. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's something like... about that. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of the computer game characters seem to just be wandering around as oh i see so and so i see so and so i spot sonic i've spotted lara croft i've spotted it was like a game of where's wally where everything was the answer yeah yeah. um (laughs) so i think for me probably the sort of things i liked spotting that actually affected me probably weren't the computer games characters so much as it was you know seeing seeing like the vehicles I quite liked, you know, apart from the fact the race was massively flawed, I quite liked the fact there was a wacky races and be like, oh, look, there's the motorbike from Akira and there Mm. is a DeLorean, but it's got the personality from Kit from Knight Rider in it. And there is like, I think for me, like that bit, I think especially because it was quite early on in the film as well, I was still enjoying Spot the Reference. And I think the 
the vehicles and um and oh the oh the Gundam. Okay, I think that's definitely a thing as well. That's had computer games. That counts as a computer game character. <laughs> um, there's lots of computer games with Gundam. Yeah, a Gundam yeah. shows up, and that made me quite happy. <laughs> God, literally, as soon as we stopped the conversation about everything, I've like just had so many points. I'm like, oh, I wanted to make that. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about our favorite gaming cameos. Uh, mine is the uh, Halo references. Uh, yeah, mm. I like Halo. <laughs> <laughs> um so we do also have a question from kota kitty on instagram and is have any of you read the book it's based on <laughs> yeah so, kind of which um, did you prefer <laughs> that probably should have been moved up uh, in the notes um yeah. i feel that's been answered <laughs> I, I feel that's been answered for several hours now yeah. by Tazzy. um <laughs> And anything you think the film lacked and the book had the whole thing. <laughs> Every the context. Uh, uh, Tazzy's new will... upcoming five hundred part series, What Was Wrong yeah. With This Movie, <laughs> will be launching on network soon. <laughs> um do either of you have anything to add? I'll just say like I'll I'll uh, update as I read more of the book. Um, and maybe have more rants. Uh, we should do a part two, and uh, <laughs> we'll do we'll do an a episode based on the book specifically. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we could also do um because we've got like an end of year thing that we're thinking about, so we can maybe put that in there. You don't want me to? Oh, okay. <laughs> Is it? Because <laughs> that would be the whole episode. <laughs> That'll be the uh, the second series of uh, five hundred part episode rants by Tazzy. Why the book was better. <laughs> I mean, if we're, if we're suggesting things for future ones, when you've finished watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, if mm. you want to do a show on that, then you can listen to me talk for six hours. Oh, that would be a good one as well. Because I, I think that yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on you know as someone who's watching it for the first time i think it would be really cool because i've watched it many times um so it would be cool to to maybe do one about that if if you you know can be blackmailed into letting me come on the podcast for a a, a fourth time fourth yeah. time wow you want to come back for a fourth time <laughs> um so yeah that is all of our questions for this episode but if you do want to send us your feedback you can do so uh feedback at myamada.com or on our social media at myamada on twitter at myamada tees on instagram or at tazzy on both and we have come to the end of this episode slash tazzy uh takes down <laughs> this is if this was a youtube clip it would be like tazzy bruce lee takes down uh, destroys Ready Player One. Humiliation. The, the uh, thumbnail would be her, yeah. like with the with the movie DVD in a headlock. Yeah, yes. <laughs> hitting it with the book, like hitting the the Blu-ray with a book. <laughs> Thanks uh, for the thumbnail idea. Yeah, I know, that is a really good idea. Um, That's Tazzy's so, new profile picture. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Vex, uh, for being back on the show. No worries. Thank you for having me. And yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can also subscribe. You can subscribe to us uh, so you don't miss any episodes. Um, you can also rate or review us so we can get in front of more people. 
uh, and share our views, feedback uh, and rants with more people on the internet. Uh, also, don't forget, we have a Kickstarter that is still going if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. If not, it's getting made anyway, so you can pick it up uh, when it does uh, come out. Serious Through the Fog. Uh, the Kickstarter link is in the show notes. Our other manga titles are on mymada.com forward slash manga, including our latest Hot Lunch Volume 1. Uh, and you can also join our Discord for future gaming events and activities that will be put together from autumn time onwards. So uh, as well as our main gamepad online events, we're going to be bringing uh, other interviews, panels, um, game nights, things like that. So yeah, so jump in the Discord uh, and get ready for that. Other than that, stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com, and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. Uh, stay tuned. Until next time, stay safe, stay safe, and also, I uh, probably should be reading Lady Player One if you haven't already. I think if you've learned nothing else, do that. Take care, everyone.